There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to Secure Nienska, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, please subscribe to Secure Nienska whilst you're listening. And at the end of the episode, leave a five-star rating and a review. Now let me tell you about my guest today. My guest today joined Maiden Chelsea in 2016 as a friend of Liv Bentley, where he lasted two series before he left the show the first time round. He then returned to the show seven series later in 2021, where we have seen him grow as a life coach, where he's always on hand to help his castmates out with their life dilemmas. And away from the cameras, he practices being a life coach as part of his safe space coaching community of his brother Fabian, as well as being a singer and a songwriter. To tell me, Mum, delighted to welcome to Sudanuska. It's Judas Cowdery. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Good to be here. I'll, I'll make sure I uh, tap those five stars after when I leave today. Yeah, please do. Please. <laughs> no one ever does. I say it every single week. No one does. Judas, I'm so grateful you're here because I've been trying to get you for so long and you are in demand. There's so many interesting things about you that we need to talk about today. Where I want to start is at the beginning because you had a very special beginning and it's something that I've never spoken to someone before. I've spoken to people who are trying to do IVF, but never an IVF baby because it's such a new thing that we've actually not got people around who are of an age yet to talk about it. And you are the first person that I actually think I've ever heard from about it. So it's okay to digress into that. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, it was, I mean, we were in the newspaper, me and my brother's IVF sort of miracles because back then it was very unlikely that you'd be first time attempt. And then we were twins as well. My aunt tried three times. Uh, we had My mum had a good friend who tried four times. Back then, it was just, it was highly, it's very expensive. It was a bit rare. Not many people did it. Mum couldn't give, wasn't able to have babies in the, in the normal way. So they had to go IVF and it was kind of a big risk. But again, very expensive. So two for one was pretty unbelievable. IVF is a pretty incredible thing if you think about it. And I'm sure it's helping so many people. And, and a lot of people reached out to me because of that. And a lot of people actually reaching out to my mum. How do you find Because obviously for your mum, it's like you were the miracle children. She couldn't have children with your father. This was the way to do it. And we know that. And that's their story. But it's interesting from your side because I'm interested in the pressures it puts on you as the child because you know how much they wanted you. You know the financial responsibility it was to go there, the emotional responsibility. And so is there a pressure on you to feel, 
well, I've got to always love you. I can't have an argument with you because you really wanted me and therefore how am I supposed to be ungrateful for that? Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Do, oh, do you know what I mean? I was, all, I was, I feel very lucky because I was always ma- made to feel wanted. Uh, and bear in mind, that, by the way, it was both there. It was, it was their eggs and sperm. It wasn't, it wasn't a donor. She just couldn't give it the right way. So I just thought, well, that was, that was key to mention that before my mum goes, but you, you are my son. Um, <laughs> Something you don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. We were always made to feel loved and special. Uh, and to be IVF, I, didn't, I don't think I really knew what it meant. I think I've, I've always been given overwhelming love from my mum. Just like, almost too much, probably. Yeah. And, then, and then my dad has probably kept me quite uh, saying, you can't have two of that or you probably think you're God's gift. I just didn't know much about it until I was probably about 15, 16. I didn't really know. I mean, I was told, but I, I didn't really understand. When I was younger, it was this big thing. And then we'd grow up and suddenly some, some people are interested in talking about it. It is pretty unbelievable that it can happen because a lot of people can't conceive in, in the normal, usual, healthy way. So it's been a, it's been a miracle for mum and dad. It's quite a crazy birth. And mum had preeclampsia. My brother had a neurothormax, which is a hole in the lung. That was my dad sitting there being like, oh my God, I'm going to be left with just one. But everyone survived. And yeah, it's been pretty cool. But yeah, uh, miracle twins, I don't know. Well, you are a miracle twin. And it's, it's quite a nice novelty to have to you as well you know it's another string to your bow it is it is nice to know that i that i was wanted for sure that Mm. it wasn't just from a just a weekend bang and then suddenly there we are (laughs) that's the way to think about your mum yeah if she's listening did you ever have a weekend bang mum yeah no don't talk about that but she'd probably say yes darling to try and make (laughs) me feel awkward she does that sometimes let's talk about you in school because obviously at that point you didn't know that what were you like in school though School was quite tough for me and quite tough for my, my brother as well. Home was a very comfortable place. It was, I felt very easy. I felt myself. Went to school and I think because we were quiet, we stuck to each other like glue. We were twins and we, I don't know, we were, we were Julius and Fabian. I don't know if that changed anything. And We were very like confident in what we wanted. He wanted to be a professional cricketer, follow dad's footsteps. And I wanted to be a singer and that was, that was what we wanted. I think we, were just, we felt a little bit different, but we were bullied quite a lot. And that was really tough. School was a tough place, um, actually. I instantly thought I wasn't good enough. It was a weird place. It was... And it took a lot of time, actually, when I... when I mean, I've probably got to about 16 where suddenly I started forming friendships. Imagine from the age of six or seven all the way to 16, not feeling like you can be authentic because you've, or not feeling like you can say anything without being laughed at or, or told to shut up. And that, and that was really... Uh, it was quite defining, actually. I think I just craved being at home. I was lucky to have that to go back to, but I, my empathy is for those that go to school but then don't have that at home. I had the support. It probably built a resilience. It definitely made me question myself a lot. It definitely gave me insecurities, for sure. I remember whenever, when we were, we were leaving school at 18 and I went to a music college in London and... You know, friend, you know, you, you speak to the advisor at school, you know, what do you want to do when you're older? And, I, and I'm just like, I want to be a singer. But deep down, I just wanted to form good friendships. Yeah. And uh, that was my sole aim. I mean, I, was, I came to London. I, I actually ended up working nightlife and, and promoting in clubs. I mean, so far from what I'm doing now. But interestingly, my job was to be a connector, socially meet people. People wanted me suddenly because they wanted to get somewhere. So I think there was a reason why I ended up doing that. And, I've, and I ended up forming great friendships, but I even spoke to a friend of mine. I'm very open with my friends and especially my guy friends. I think it's important to talk about how you're feeling in such in scenarios. And I remember I, we were like 24, 25 with my friend Matt. And I said, it's really strange. Sometimes I don't believe I'm, I'm good enough to be your friend. 
because you're you know you're working hard you're successful you're you're this you're you're, you're you know I, I always was very intimidated by the whatever stereotypes the cool bloke and he's a good looking guy and, I, and and he said why I said well just because I don't know just because I was made to feel like I wasn't good enough for a, a friend like you it's, it was it's amazing really I started forming these incredible friendships with people not thinking that and inwardly being like you don't deserve that you don't deserve that and, I, and you have that 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 your past is the past is rearing its head in the moment going you're that little boy who doesn't have any friends so that was really interesting and 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 I think over time building these friendships and having people I can actually openly speak to about these things that's really a key for me being open being vulnerable with my guy mates as well as my girl mates has allowed me to realize that I'm good enough took some time there's that overcompensation you do with your friends, though. You have to give them more because you're like, I don't feel like I'm good enough, so therefore I'm going to overcompensate. And then you get to that point. It's like the same as love languages, that you pull back and you go, why are they not doing that for me? Where's mm. their empathy? Where's them taking me to things? Where's them spending money? Where's they spending their time with me? And you look at, you know, a year's diary and you go, why have they only seen me twice this year? Mm. Am I not, they're my best friend. Surely they should see me more than that. How do you deal with that? And I suppose there's another element to that of, did you ever get jealous of those friends? When you're saying, I'm not enough for you, was there jealousy of, well, you've all got that, so I'm not good enough to be there yet? Oh, I do not. Ex- I feel like expectation is the root of massive disappointment. Mm. <laughs> Anytime you're ever disappointed by something, it's because your expectation isn't met. That's it. It's pretty simple, right? So then you have to work out your relationship with expectation. Why do I expect this of someone? Because because I'd been bullied or didn't think I was good enough in the, uh, to be friends with these people, I, I didn't really care if they didn't reach out to me. I, I I mean, I, I remember my friends saying, well, I'm not going to reach out to them because they haven't reached out to me. And I, it's just this weird cycle and game. It's like it's like any relationship's pretty similar. Relationship with a girl or guy, relationship with a mate, whatever it is. It's all the same, really. And you don't have to play games. To, to form secure relationships with anyone, I think just act on your gut and your instinct and how you feel. And ultimately, I just wanted to be friends with that person. I wanted to hang out, see how they are. I'm not going to wait for them to, to get back to me. I didn't really form every, any jealousy around that. I just, I think I, I, early on, I was just happy to form secure, great relationships. And as a result, I, I have that, which is amazing. But you get to that level. Obviously, you've gone through the vulnerabilities, the insecurities growing up without having the friends. You then get to have the friends. Your mental health also changes that. So straight away, you've got this like this graph going upwards, not for trend, but then your mental health is also going on up for trend. What happened there? Massively. Mental, uh, my mental health. Do you know, I, I would never say I've been depressed uh, onto the edge of, of that sort of that sort of side of, of the, the, I don't know how you explain it. The, the scale. The scale. And I think that's because I've always, I've been fortunate enough to have the support from my family and an amazing relationship with my brother that I've always feel like I've, I can go back to. And that's been amazing. But at the same time, it, definitely close and not, and not very happy and lonely. I mean, the, the, those that I f- can be completely secure with. I think if you don't have that group, of people that you feel are there for you god I, I feel like friendships and people everyone you surround yourself with is is it just melts on you like a coat right anything you listen to anything you digest it's a diet you know the, re- the books you read the podcasts you listen to hopefully this one the music you listen to the li- i listen to words i will listen to the lyrics and songs mm-hmm. i was listening to a taylor swift song on the way actually because it came up on us on the song radio and it's just like and she's she's just hurting herself in words so i'm depressed i'm this i'm this and this i turn it off straight away I don't really, and and maybe that's a bit too forensic, but I just I'm really careful about the energy that I'm that I'm sort of getting from everything. And if and there's been a lot of culling with my friendships. There's people actually on the same path as me. Are they pessimistic? Are they going to be lifting me up? Do I need that in my life? 
And I think that's really, it's something, I think it's untapped with a lot of people. I think uh, we hold on to friendships because they don't want to lose that because of sentiment, just like a relationship with your partner. But actually, is this person going to lift you? Is this, this person going to support you? Is this a person going to be there for you at all times if you need them? I think that's really key. So my mental health went up and skyrocketed because my friendships were brilliant and I was lucky to have them. And that goes back to what we said about expectations of friendships, that you have these expectations that you set, you've got the boundaries you set. And so when you have a friend, you go, right, are you meeting those expectations? If you're not, why not? And if you try and explain, and this comes into talking about our mental health and just open up conversations, there's that thing of, well, I'm going to tell you why you're upsetting me but how are you going to deal with that is it i'm so sorry i'm empathetic i want to be in your shoes and i'm going to have a look or are you going to retaliate and go no it's all you it's all in your head oh i think it's your relationship with needs Mm. is that why do okay i'm really really a book at the moment attached it's an amazing book on attachment but the book i I have two friends who said this has changed my life and relationships i read that i've read the books unbelievable and one of those lines is and it's quite well-known line is you're only needy as your unmet needs Mm. right so that's key to kind of understand what your needs are but then what is your relationship with those needs why do you need something from someone what did you not have or what did you have too much of when you were younger i think just understanding why you need that like uh, interestingly i i was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day i was like i got overwhelming love from my mum. Very, I feel very lucky. You know, I, I anything you want, darling. Not in not in a sport way, but in terms of love. She was always there for me. She was always there for me to be a shoulder to cry on, to be there to talk to at all times, all occasions. If I pick the phone up at three a.m., she'd be there. Right. Because of that, I probably have like this idea of how a woman should be to me. Because of, and it's and that level is very high, right? And I need to understand that if I feel like I'm not getting a certain amount of love from my girlfriend, and I'm starting to go, well, I'm not getting enough. Is that because maybe I received too much as a kid from my mother? Probably. So my relationship with my needs is really important there. Understanding that I can be sensitive that sensitive to that and to understand that actually I need to respect that no one is going to necessarily reach that sort of emotional love that I received because it was so high. So you can get this, this relationship with needs is definitely what you did receive. So you expect it or what you didn't get. So maybe you expect people to not treat you well or you want it so much because you didn't get it. Mm. so it's, a, it's an interesting and then it comes back to reflecting on yourself rather than everyone else we don't reflect enough no, we don't reflect enough it took me it took me so long to start reflecting and actually took me to to being a coach working with clients and understand understanding how much of your actions your habits the way you feel about yourself is based on your past oh my god it is it, you can connect nearly everything your view on the world your values your yeah, your needs. I mean, it's 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 amazing, but it's quite hard to go back and try and connect it. It's opening that kind of room. I, I, in my parents' house, I had the third floor to myself, and that was when I was six years old. And so I got a TV when I was eight, and I hid myself upstairs. Why do I need to be downstairs? I've got a TV up there. I put food up there. My mum, I don't know why, but my dad would always eat dinner on the table downstairs. My mum would eat in her bed at like 10 o'clock at night when everything's been done. So I learned to have dinner in my bed. So age 12, I'd come home from school, straight up to the bedroom, come down, go and get food, straight up to the bedroom, and I locked myself up. And then I go, now, I go, I'm so lonely. But I almost learned to be lonely myself and learned to be my own company because it was just normal to me. And so you're right, when you start reflecting, you go, ah, right, that was that, that was me then. Can you see that now? Are the things that you do in the moment now that reflects the little boy in you that used to Oh, massively. And And I think it's funny because I then go, that's the little Johnny again. And it's like you go to a party and you're like, I'm 30 years old. I'm a lad. And you go to the party and you're like, 
I'm I'm that little Johnny again. I'm that little twelve year old Johnny going into school. And what it, it coats on you like a, it's like a mask, is it? Oh, massively. I get such imposter syndrome, such a social anxiety. Oh, I shouldn't be in that party. No one wants to speak to me. What am I gonna say? And you go, oh, how's work? Yeah, good. No one cares what I'm doing about work. You know, you know. Well, oh. who have you? And people are, like, oh, you know, who's the most famous person you've met? I mean, a lot of famous people I've met you. Know, oh, oh I, 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 I don't know. And I, I shut off. I put the barriers down, and it's fascinating because I'm like, I mean, look, I should have loads of therapy, but. It's money, but it's interesting because you're right. There's a lot we do in the past, but we have to reflect on. How do you reflect? What's your? Is it journaling? Is it meditating? Is it talking to yourself? What's your mechanisms? So I don't meditate that much. It's something that I really would like to get into, but I find it quite hard. And I know meditation isn't this. You, you know, I'm good or bad. It's just the act of doing, and it's something that I would love to do more of. I, for me, I write a lot. I actually have a uh, in my notes. I have a. It's called thinking. It's just a, the title is thinking in my notes. And what I do if I feel like I'm struggling with something, something's on my mind, something's anxious, I, I, I want to catch the thought early so that it doesn't form a rut. I also feel like a thought comes in as a uh, as wind and then you can, you, you're the one that turns it into a tornado, right? By really focusing on it and charging up that feeling like a plug socket into the wire. So for me, I want to catch it early. I want to try and understand why it's coming. So what I do is I, I write down the thought in as myself i'm feeling like this it's making me feel like this i want to act out like this and i don't know what to do about it because it makes me not feel good enough or whatever right and then i look at the thought and then i really digest the thought and then i try and work out if that's actually logical rational is it kind is it helpful now usually every negative thought is unhelpful illogical or rational I would love you to tell me any mean thought of yours. You don't have to now, but we can tell me another time that is ever actually helpful, logical, or rational. So I look at it, and then I, and I write underneath from the third person as if I'm talking to myself. So I'll go, Julius, you don't have to feel this way because of this, this, this. Or here's the evidence to suggest this. One of my biggest questions I ask, and it's a simple question I ask to clients when they tell me something that's mean or unkind or not helping them, is like, give me the evidence to suggest that that is the truth. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not worthy of this person's love. I'm not lovable. Okay, tell me who told you that. What's the evidence to suggest that that's true? If you can give it to me, then I'll, I'll sit here and I'll, I'll appreciate the fact that that is a truth. But Right, but that's all in your head and that's the paranoia talking. But let's say that I come out and say something, a skeleton, and it goes somewhere and it does become the truth. Because there is physical... Let's say you did something in your personal life, right? You did it years ago. And you've had your own celebrity scandal, right? And you've got this irrational thought process. And you've written your notes. You've done all the work. Where's the evidence? There's no evidence. So you go, okay, there's no evidence. So let's just say it goes it goes out there, right? Now that scandal's been picked up by every single newspaper. There's your evidence. Had you not said anything, there would be no evidence. So it's like, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. I guess, I guess then it's the evidence within your head and how it makes you feel. Right, so if you've got the physical evidence afterwards, now let's process it. Pro- process it and work out what, how that makes you feel as a result. If there's, this, if there's something out there for the world to see, then I think it's the relationship with yourself based on what's out there. I mean, look, we all make mistakes, we all make errors, but what does that mean about you? And if you've been through something or you, there's constant thought process that makes you feel a certain way, not good enough, based on your self-esteem and confidence, I think that's a different uh, journey that you have to get through. That's a good question. If there's something out there, if it's if it's based on something's based on reality, I think just working out what does that mean for you as a person is that. A fa- there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If something's out there and you feel absolutely fine with yourself, that's fine. Something has happened. It's an interesting one, though, because there must be, as a social media star and as a reality star that you are, there must be that still that insecurity of, not that you know anything bad has happened, but there could be. There could be something. What, who's going to say something about me? It might be made up. It might You know, you, you see people going on Love Island, and all their exes go to the papers and go, oh, my God, you went, blah, 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 and they get their 250 quid. There must be that insecurity sometimes, that paranoia of someone's going to say something, whether true or not, about me, and then how do I deal with that? Do I really trust everyone? Yeah. I've, I've thought about it before. I've spoken to the guys about it on the show. It's always, it could always happen. When you're younger and when you're sort of going out and it's all a bit reckless and crazy and you don't, you don't really think about it. When you get a bit older and you want to form good relationships and you're a bit more settled and like, look, I'm helping people with their, with their lives. I'm assisting in their growth. I need, to, I need to be sensible. And so for me, I'm not as reckless. For sure, that's got in the back of your mind if you're on TV. For sure. Fortunately, it doesn't happen that much. But people can spread rumours about things. You just got to hope that they don't. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about you being a coach. How did the training come? Because I've done a cash two course and I'm like, I really enjoyed it. I did counselling skills. I did mental health. I loved it. And then I, got, I did that for free. And then they were like, well, the next one's two grand. And then it's four grand. And then eight grand. And then you start and you go, well, it's I don't know, 20 grand. Is it worth the investment? Is that my future? So where was that moment you went, I want to do it. And then also I'm going to put the financial backing into it as well and actually fully go. For- the interesting thing about coaching is that you don't need a, a course to be a coach. Is that something that we should be saying out loud? No, but I think it's important. Tony Robbins, the biggest coach in the world. Yeah. The biggest coach in the world, Tony Robbins, doesn't have a course to his name. 
apparently. That's what I've been told. And, and, and you can probably look it up. But I have a course. I, I do it with the ICF, a Master cert- Certified Life Coach. It didn't cost me 20 grand <laughs> or anywhere near that. And it was an intensive course. And it, was, it, wasn't, it didn't take months. It took weeks. And, that's, and, and then I did another course online to work more on mindset because I wanted that to be my focus. Look, I, I, I love the idea of helping people. And it was during COVID time. And I realized that music maybe isn't my sole passion for me right now. So, and I, I, I've lost the love of writing music because it all became about writing the next hit and not writing from the heart. And, and performing became this sort of quite laborious to, laborious to me. So I was just like, I want to do this. Fabian, Fabian, my brother, had become a coach and he had five, six clients. And it was amazing for him. So I was like, okay, maybe I do this. Did it. Took on some clients and realized how powerful it is how much value you're giving to someone and and it's definitely helped me in so many ways for my own life I realized pretty quick that I needed a coach a because I saw the how powerful it was for my clients I mean clients were starting coming with two out of ten confidence walking away with eight out of ten amazing amazing transformations I openly become a good coach there's a lot for me to learn I'm sure but have had great success stories of all my clients and that's been so amazing to see their sort of transformations and and but it made me realize that I need a coach because I as a result of me helping a lot of my clients with some really traumatic things and yeah sometimes it's just I want to become more have a better work ethic I don't want to I want to stop my procrastination but a lot of the time it's I have a low self-esteem because and you work and there's a lot of therapizing going back and then we work on the solution and it's action focused and as a result of that what do we do but I started taking the camera off me I, and, and I started taking the focus off me in terms of my stuff. Well, they're going through that, so our problems aren't that bad. And that's quite an unhealthy place to get to. So I have my own coach and that's really powerful. I need, and, and it helps me put everything in place. It helps me let off some steam. It helps me ultimately be kinder to myself so I can be better for my clients and then better for my relationships and then hopefully live a happier life. And that's the thing, you become a deflector and, you know, being a journalist sitting in front of you, I'm a massive deflector. I ask the questions, I don't even talk about me. But does that set you back sometimes because they're talking about trauma and you go, that happened to me as well. And now I've got to deal with that when I wasn't, I, I, that can of worms I've put away and now it's slowly lifted because it's now reminding me of something. Oh yeah, that's happened a few times, but you know, I I wouldn't ever do that as a coach. No, I, but, I, no but you afterwards, when you get home to go, right, this is what happened today. Or let's say you're talking to a girlfriend. I don't know if you talk about what happens in those sessions, but to to come home and go, yeah, I've got to think about that now, but I haven't thought about it in a while. But then the question, interestingly, if I'm I'm talking to a client about something that I can relate to, now I'm completely objective, and I'm listening to, I'm watching their body language, using the words they say, reflecting language, ask them a question that will help them get to a place to open up a new idea of thinking. Right? Mm. It's the power of great questions. That's what coaching is most of the time. The questions that I've asked, if I can relate to it, I can ask to myself. So sometimes when I'm asking the question, if I can relate to it, which isn't that often, but when it happens, I, I'm sort of asking myself the same question when they're answering it. It's, it's interesting. Um, but I think it's, it's helped, being a coach has helped me definitely ask myself better questions. And obviously people who watch Mainly Chelsea would have seen Julius Cowdery, the life coach, come on the show, and they've watched your journey as reality star. Have you got those people who contact you who want the life coaching, but they just want to meet you because you're a celebrity to them? There's a couple, been a couple of uh, situations where a client's worked with me and down the line, I find out that the only reason they wanted to work with me is because of the show, yeah. I'm not going to lie, it frustrates me because I'm ultimately, I'm, I'm qualified, I, I love it, I work super hard 
and I spend a lot of time with my clients. I'm not just a coach that meets you once a week. I'm staying in touch through the week, keeping you accountable, checking up on, have you done that? That's what you wanted to do. I'm not just meet you on the Sunday, meet you next Sunday. And so when someone comes because the show, I guess I guess I, it, it frustrates me, but the human side of me, the logical side is going, well, it's, it's bound to happen. And uh, there's nothing I can do really. Uh, but it's been a couple of scenarios that were very uncom- quite uncomfortable and awkward. I do Zoom calls or, or discovery calls with clients before we meet. And, you know, I've had a few people go- calling me up, telling me about a story and then laughing down the phone going, ha, I'm fucking joking. I don't really care. I don't want this. That sadly is a bit of a price you pay with being on a show like Made in Chelsea. Well, and also on the show, there are times where cast members have said things about you being a life coach. That must also be hard because you're like, I've put so much into this. I know I'm good at it, and all I want is for people to accept me like this. You know, I wasn't accepted when I was early on in life. Now I'm doing something so good and powerful, and yet you're taking the mickey out of it, and then that's becoming a clip for social media, and it's a storyline on the show, and this is my actual life, my integrity. It's amazing that they promote a clip, which is, in essence, bullying. Mm. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, just, just have a little, uh, little uh, interesting thought there. I Look, that was hard. I'm not going to lie to you because when when clips like that come out, people start, you know, that that sort of register it goes out there. Then people start talking, and I'm getting DMs. I mean, the amount of, based on this, especially the summer series last year, the amount of constant DMs. I'm so glad I don't have Twitter. My God, I deleted that because of the abuse you get from that show. It finds a way in a little bit. I'm pretty robust. I'm I'm pretty um, with my stuff. I deal with it well. I'm glad I do, but that definitely pierced the skin a bit. And it and it's uh, it was one I had to deal with. And I talked extensively with people around me and 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 found found a good place for it. But it's been it's happened over years. My God, when you first receive online abuse based on your actions, that's been edited. It's really tough. I think half the, more than half the cast, especially on the MIC, and then maybe most people just don't talk about it and suppress it. But when you're getting a lot of people, I mean, a lot of the girls especially get a lot of, a lot of horrible things based on their appearance, based on their actions, but their appearance, my God, I've seen some awful things. It's not really nice. I had, I had one person saying they wanted to kill me, <laughs> run me over to the car. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you're just like maniacs i go on i go on a tiktok live and i'm talking to people about confidence and i want to talk or just chat with people and the abuse i have to i have to get something like like 10 you can get these mediators or people that basically can mute stuff for you and they're actively at work and you're like what have i done wrong what have i like you said the rational and the rational what have i actually done wrong all i'm doing is giving some help yes i'm on a tv show You've got a character to play on that TV show. And let's talk about the character version of Julius. What is that character that's on the show? Because that's not obviously the real you. That character is uh, a nice guy who fucks it up here and there. I don't particularly love the character portrayed. You're filming for however long, right? An hour, two hours. You're then being edited down to two minutes for that scene. And then that's being put out onto a Monday night episode. You film for what? A week and a half, two weeks filmed down to 45 minutes because of the ads and then people judge you and your character your personality you as a person based on a me being on the screen for about seven minutes edited i mean it's 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 bonkers it's bizarre you know people people watching the show they think that they know you but they don't know you they're not they don't know me at all 
Like, the people I love know me, and that's what helps me, knowing that actually a lot of my friends have said that. When, I, when something's hurt me and it's, I've, you know, it pierces the skin, as we said before, I've got to remember that the people that know me actually do love me, and I, I've got some great friendships and bonds. If I didn't, I'd, I'd find it really hard. Thankfully, I do. Well, you obviously did two series to begin with. Then you left for seven series, then came back. Why did you come back? Was it seven series I left for? Mate, I you s- left season 14, came back season 21. I said I'd never come back. Yeah. I left with, with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she didn't like it. I'd fallen out with Liv, which was really hard. I didn't really enjoy it. I found It was quite a dark time. I, a lot of people found that with the show as well. I think it was, a, it was a dark time for reality TV with what was going on anyway, I think, around there. And I just said I'd never come back because it wasn't making me feel good. That relationship ended and I was working on me and doing other bits. And it's COVID and, and then I get a call from one of the execs. He goes, you know, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Are you single? Yep. Do you want to come and film in a Cotswold's house for you know, two months, three months and start the show again? A lot of thinking time. But when, you're, when, when you've been on, you know, on your own, well, not on my own, but you've been at home for what, that long and... It was an opportunity and it was getting out of the house and doing something while, I, while others can't leave. I just, it was amazing what the show did, actually. A lot of shows couldn't film, but they did. I just, I just, yeah, I just took the bull by the horns, really. And I don't regret it. I don't regret going back. I mean, my friendship, I have a friendships with Miles, friendship with, with Fred is amazing. Digby, I just literally, I see Digby speak to him every hour of the day. Friendship's been amazing. And the opportunities the show gives. But I think once you've done it long enough, I think those opportunities sort of die down. And I'm sort of glad that, yeah. Well, if you're not going to go on celebs go dating or X on the beach, or you've done them already, <laughs> it's like, well, where do you go after the show? X on the beach, you'll never see me on that. I think also my ex are too, exes are too sane to come to come <laughs> on. <laughs> what is the future for you in Charleston then? I've uh, left the show. And this, yeah, this is the first place I'm saying that. I haven't, I haven't mentioned it to anyone else, anyone, anywhere else for that matter. I've left the show because... I need to focus all my all my energy on what actually is going to be long term for me. The sh- the show is really fun. The show takes you cool places. The show is yeah, you, it's just fun, right? But and it gives you that engaged engaged following, yeah, to an extent. And then yeah, you can release things off the bat. You might get some campaigns and stuff, but it's all short lived. Everything with Made in Chelsea is short lived. Nothing is it. Nothing in it is long term, apart from the, maybe the friendships you form, right? And I looked at my life, and I've just turned 30. I looked at my life and had a wild like time when I'd been to all these amazing countries and filmed on it. And nothing about the show is, is long-term. So it's a, a good decision for me to go, okay, I need to focus all my energies on the things that actually I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's coaching, that's safe space, that's all around that. And also for me, I, you know, I'm in a, in a relationship as well now, and I'm, I'm really happy. Does my life exist on the show anymore? I just don't think it does. Is it a name for the same never you know, could come back one day, doors always open, or is it, I'm done now, this is the second time I've left. <laughs> Can I'm you out. imagine, back at the age of 35, so <laughs> back at the age of 40, I think that show's, no, I don't think that show's ever going to stop, it's like Coronation Street. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think the line's drawn under it. But, uh, like you said, there's the social media following, there's the finances of it as well, do they not also help with, you being on the show so although it's a tv show it's the fact you're getting paid good money for doing a tv show and then also the social media numbers helps you know helps the reach for safe space for whatever you're doing in your personal life yeah but is the reach a good reach mm. and have i reached the 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 height of what i following wise i'll get from the show and is it all just young girls who are following you because they fancy you not actually audience that are gonna 
offbeat customers. When I left the show in whatever I, whatever time I left the show, when I did those seven seasons off, I lost 45,000 followers. People who follow the show can be, I'm sure, quite fickle. They didn't follow me for other any other reason, but I'm on the show. For me now, it's about cultivating an audience for my social that wants to receive advice, tips, help, that want to wanna feel feel good. That's what my show is. So if I f- lose following based on the show, that's fine because they're not going to be engaged following who want to be there for the long term. The cash is is tasty and keeping that engaged following tasty, but it's short term. Mm. It's a re- it, was, it wasn't an easy decision, by the way. What, I'm going to be 34, 35, 37 doing this show and, then, and this takes up a lot of time. All those hours and days spent doing the show, I'm... I'm not doing what's going to, you know, make me as successful in the future or make me, you know, everything long term. I agree with you, mate. I agree. Um, so let's talk safe space. Yes. Because I'm very excited about this. I've never had a place where I can just talk. And that's what I want. Because normally what happens is guys will go out and they'll go for a couple of beers and they'll watch the football or they'll play football midweek. And so everything kind of revolves around football and they'll kind of have a bit of a talk. But there's no place for men just to talk and have mental health chats and talk about vulnerabilities. And that's what I absolutely love. And I get that one-on-one. But I like the idea of a group setting, feeling part of a community. And this is exactly what you and Fabian have created. Yeah, me and Fabian, we, it's, it's, look, we were doing one-on-one coaching and, we, and a lot of people can't commit to one-on-one because it's expensive. It's expensive, right? You're meeting once a week is quite a high expense for a lot of people. And we wanted to work with more people, but we wanted to lessen the cost massively. And so we set up Safe Space to work with groups. Now, we understood that the community was going to be powerful, that feeling of meeting people. But also, it's quite an uncomfortable thing to meet. You suddenly be on a, on a Zoom call with eight, nine other people. You know, we're working with groups of eight to ten. We meet every single week on a Zoom. There's a WhatsApp group, community. We stay in touch. That WhatsApp group is popping. Our first group want to work for another six months when they finish the program. They're stayed on. I mean, the power of those friendships, they're meeting up. That when they're struggling, they will put it into the group. And a part of our mindset program, which is our first program, we intend to set up lots of different programs with different coaches, and that's our ambition. And I know we'll do that. We got we've got actually a meeting tomorrow with a with a potential new uh, coach, which is really exciting. But the whole ambition is to give people a place where they can be open and vulnerable, to be able to talk about your things, to be open, to not be pushed away because of the the high cost of being one on one. Now I'll still work with people one on one. But my focus is safe space and the group community is powerful. At the moment with the Mindset Program, we, we talk about different topics based on that title of that month. So, for example, the first month is confidence. We go into self-esteem as a sharing week for people to talk about their things. That's a big confidence thing. Second month is optimization month. We're talking about the morning routine, action take, and we get special guests coming on. You know, third month is the ego month, managing the ego, understanding the ego. And by the end of that six months, you've got a whole understanding of your own mindset. You've challenged yourself. You've got yourself out of the comfort zone. You've got a community that you can lean on. Powerful. And the changes you can see, the transformations in that, radical. Where do I sign up? Safespaceglobal.co.uk. And we, we have our mindset program there. You get in touch and, and we'll put you in the next group, which is actually starting in March. And hopefully within a month and a half, two months, there'll be a new program. And then down the line, there'll be another program. We want to have different programs of helping people in different for different things, right? We don't want to be niching to one thing. So we'll eventually hopefully have leadership, business, women entrepreneurs, all types of things that can offer self-development.
that was Julius Cowdery. If you enjoyed that, I absolutely love speaking about Wendell. There's so much more we could have spoken about. I'm going to have to get him back on the podcast another time. But if you enjoyed it, five-star rating and review, and click subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you're listening. Click subscribe, go down, leave a five-star rating and a review. And if you love Made in Chelsea like me, then on Sakinian's crew in the past, we've had episodes from Miles Nazaire, Sam Prince, Maverick James, Sam Thompson, Liv Bentley, and so many more. So go and check them out in the catalogue. Thank you so much for listening to Sakinian's crew. I'm Johnny Seifer. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.